Well, we, a lot of the things we sang about um, in the two scripture readings we did uh, talked about uh, faith in God and loving God. And so that's going to be our themes for today. Um, and when you start getting to know someone, um, you're discovering what, they, what they're like. You know, maybe you met somebody um, coming to one of these worship gatherings for the first time, or you met somebody you know, at school or wherever it might be for the first time, and you start asking them questions and have a conversation, you're getting to know them, um, and you're finding out what kind of person they are um, and what they're like, what their character is like, um, maybe by the questions they ask or how they respond to your questions or whether they're listening when you're talking. Maybe they're just waiting to talk or everything kind of becomes a story about them, and you're learning um, what is this person like um, as you're talking to them. And as you get to know them, you're either going to like them um, or you're not going to like them. And a lot of us are kind of figuring out, maybe we don't think it you know, in our minds, but we're kind of testing, do I like this person? You know, do I want to spend more time with them and get to know them um, when we're talking to somebody? And um, if we're liking them, we're inclined to spend more time with them and learn more about them, or we'll get excited to see them. We're willing to share more um, of our lives with them and more of our thoughts and more of our feelings and what we're going through. And then, of course, they're going to share more about themselves um, with us. And so uh, we're just going to take a little time and imagine set this up for uh, a later activity so we're going to have to work down here but um, I actually ordered these huge post-it notes and they're guaranteed delivery today while well, they're not here and they're not delivered today so thanks a lot Amazon can't do everything um, but we're going to uh, just imagine you're like getting to know someone and you're trying to decide whether you trust this person and so we're going to answer um, what makes a person trustworthy like what are you looking for in a person where you'd say, yeah, I trust them. Like maybe you'd, I mean, there might be different levels of trust. Like, okay, I trust them to like drive me somewhere or I trust them to like watch my kids or okay, I trust them to maybe help me with my homework or something. So what would make a person trustworthy? And we're just going to put uh, words around trustworthy. not only say, I'll do this for you, and that'd be like, great, like, you'll fix my car, but they know how to do it. That would make you trust them, yeah. Have a good reputation. Good reputation. So I have like a good track record, like you've seen them be trustworthy with other things? Uh, what other people say about them. Oh, what other people say about them. Well, like, good that's, reputation, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Other people have said, oh, this is a good person, I trust them. Yeah. Anything else to make someone trustworthy? Makes good choices. They make good choices? Yeah, you're like, okay, they made a good choice in that situation, so I can trust them with my stuff. Whoopsie. I'm going to insert my good here. Make good choices. Anything else? All right, so that's one word, but a second word would be, this word isn't a real word, um, uh, but what about... Love, like what makes someone lovable? I had to put a little dash in there so that Microsoft Word wouldn't have the red thing oh, under it. Not a word. 
lovable. I don't know. Maybe I was spelling it wrong, but it said lovable. You know, I mean, so, but not thinking in terms of like, okay, we're supposed to give like unconditional love. So in that case, we're like, oh, you know, everyone should be lovable if it's unconditional love. But think about like somebody who's easy to love. Like, oh, I just love to spend time with this person. Or I love, um, I love to, uh, who they are and what they're about. Because there's some people where you might be like, yeah, I, I'm not really loving, you know, what they're like, but I'm still going to like show them love. But what makes someone like lovable, easy to love? Lovable. They're kind. Like imagine you're just getting to know somebody. What makes you be like, man, I love that person? Get to know them. Well, as you get to know them, what would you find out that would be like, oh, I love them? Like I love this uh, spending time with them or trustworthy. Ooh. Ooh, look at that. That's true. If someone's, all you can trust things. them. Huh? <laughs> they're all those things. That's true. I've, as I put this up there, you know, that's why they're going to be this little, it's going to kind of go together. But they'll probably be overlap, um, which is okay. They accept you who you are. Hmm. Okay. So you don't feel like, yeah, they. Feel safe. So they're safe, they accept you. Yeah, you are like, I want to spend time with them. I love being with this person because I can just be myself. Sir, safe, I accept you. Can't smell. Genuine. Genuine? Kind of goes with honest over here. Like you can tell they're not wearing a mask or something of like faking it. Well, also that there's not any alter uh, alter Mm. motives or something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, you're being nice to me because you want my help with something or stuff like that yeah so using it yeah so so we could put genuine we'll put like yeah not out to use you that feel like when someone's emotionally healthy? I guess they feel safe. Safe? They're healthy, but healthy. Maybe that yeah. can cover a lot of things. Like, you know, like mean, They don't have to be physically Okay, can't have any. If they have cancer, then we don't want them. <laughs> okay, I'll put EM healthy. Warm healthy, emotionally healthy. <laughs> warm spirited? They're what? Warm spirited? Mm, there's like, yeah, yeah that might oh, be there's like kind a warm of here. I'm gonna give to you. You're gonna give to me. Yeah. Yeah. They they they're kind of eager to give. And they we're just talking about like what when you meet someone, what makes you be like, okay, this is like a lovable. First we did trustworthy. Now we're doing lovable. Yeah, that's a good amount of things. We'll do last calls or anything else. Somebody wants to get up there. Good listener. Good listener. So there's a kind of like open to you almost. Good listener. Man, that was just refreshing being around that person because they listened to me, like they cared about what I was saying. Yeah. I think that's a big one nowadays. A lot of people they want to like just talk about themselves, mm-hmm. but and then when you say something, they're just like, oh, you know, like, mm-hmm. like 
like talk, not listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so maybe there's a, it's almost like an other centeredness. They're not like mm -hmm. me, 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 me. It's like I'm, there's like. You should put other centeredness. Other centeredness. The lovable isn't a word, this for sure isn't, but. Mm -hmm. Hey, make a word around here. Lovable's got to be. I don't know. Try to, maybe Google just doesn't know. Google Docs. Okay, so we just meet somebody, and here's the things we would want to start seeing um, if we we're like, I'm going to trust this person. This is what would make them trustworthy. Or this would be like, man, you're just easy to love. I like want to be around you. So these are characteristics um, that we would maybe look for. And uh, we've just finished this opening section of the book of Genesis in chapters um, 1 through 11. Um, and throughout the rest of Genesis, uh, this is like a, a break point in the book of Genesis. 1 through 11 is one section, 12 through 50 is another section. And throughout the rest, we're going to be introduced to this cast of characters um, who God tells us right up front, I'm going to use these people to bless the whole world. I'm going to bring, bring blessing back to the whole world. It's filled with curse right now, but I'm going to bring blessing back to it. He's going to use this man named Abraham um, and his family to bring restoration and renewal um, that uh, in to replace the ruin that human sin and rebellion have brought. But even, even so, you know, we hear that's pretty you know, tall order. Like these people are going to bless the world. So you'd think, wow, they must be pretty good people. Like, you know, they must be all these things. Um, but as we're going to find out, um, even though they're <coughs> blessed with God's presence um, and they're blessed with uh, God's promises and they have his direct guidance, we get front row seats to their sin, their doubt, their fears, their selfishness, their manipulative attitudes. And, and it's like, what? What the heck? These are the people going to be the people that bring blessing to the whole world? And if you think about it, uh, that description of them, like we're not that much different than them because if we've trusted in Christ, um, we're blessed with God's presence, His promises, and His direct guidance in His life. Um, yet we all struggle with sin and doubt and fear um, and being selfish and, and all these other things. We're all imperfect followers of Jesus, just like these people are, are imperfect worshipers of God. And every person in your life sees your mixed bag of faith and doubt, um, of your goodness and of your badness. And at the same time, you have front row seats to their fears, their doubts, their faith, their goodness, and their badness. And so as we go through Genesis chapters 12 through 50 and meet these characters, it's, like, it's kind of like we're doctors um, sitting in our office and we have patient after patient coming in and sharing all these issues um, that they have in their life. And um, if we were uh, doing this without Genesis 1 through 11, um, we'd be like doctors who like never went to medical school. And so we just have people coming in telling us all these symptoms and we'd be like, I have no idea what's wrong with you. But um, Genesis 1 through 11 uh, means as these patients after patients comes in, we can know how to diagnose them. We can know how to diagnose what is the problem in their life. And so Genesis 1 through 11 was like our... Um, medical school teaching us how to treat the sickness and not just um, the symptoms. Because when it comes to our sinful behaviors, we don't want to just put a band-aid over them. We want, don't want to just try to like manage our sin and our selfishness. Like, okay, I just got to try harder. I just need to do better at this and just manage it. And we want inner transformation and not just behavior modification. We need to go to the root cause. And Genesis 1 through 11 is teaching us um, the root cause of sin, so we can do more than just treat the symptoms of spiritual sickness in our lives. And so today and next week, we're going to be reviewing um, what happened in Genesis 1 through 11, kind of like reviewing what we learned in medical school, Genesis 1 through 11, and now Genesis 12 through 50. Okay, we're gonna, the first patients, our first patients are getting sent in um, to the doctor's office, and now we're going to know how to treat 
um, their issue and diagnose and go to the root of why they're acting the way they are. And when you think about it, um, we have these two uh, plants. And these are kind of the pictures. This one's dead because I left it outside all winter. It's a hanging plant. You know, it was intentional neglect. It's only supposed just to be, for you know, this illustration. yeah, yeah, just for this. I planned, you know, last winter. I'll leave this out there. This one, I wanted to bring another potted plant. Sadly, our other potted plant outside. I've been watering it frequently, but it's still wilty because of the heat. So I had to bring an indoor plant. Um, so if you think about it, like people, you know, if we're doctors sitting in the doctor's office assessing people's spiritual health, people are coming in like this. They're feeling dead. You know, maybe a little brittle, like their leaves are falling off. Maybe they're in a little better condition. They're kind of like wilty um, and only some things and droopy. But people are coming in. They're like, what's wrong with me? Um, and it's like, man, it looks like you're dying. Um, but if we don't have this training from Genesis 1 through 11, we won't know. Like, I don't know. You're dying, but I don't know why. Um, but we need to know, um, to, in order to diagnose, we won't need to know, like, okay, what makes this happen, healthy state, um, as opposed um, to this state. And so... Um, just take a moment and you know diagnose yourself. Which one of these is how your spiritual life feels? Which one of these is how your relationship with God feels? And maybe there's some sort of in-between. You're like, I'm not quite that. Um, I'm not quite that. Maybe I'm a little wiltier. It's like I have a couple branches that need to be trimmed or whatever. But you know, which one is your spiritual life um, right now? Um, that'll help as we go out through this message. I hope that'll help um, what we hear will help that situation. Um, so this week and next week, we're not going to do big questions, but we're going to focus on two principles. And the principle for today is this. Um, when we trust and love God, we flourish and live. When we trust and love God, we flourish and live. When we trust and love God, we flourish and live. And then next week, we're going to do the opposite principle. Um, that's how someone, if someone's trusting and loving God, they're flourishing, they're living. They look like this plant, kind of like what Nick read from Psalm 1. And we need this picture of health in order to diagnose um, what's wrong. Because, you know, if you don't know what a healthy person looks like, how do you know that somebody's sick? It's like, oh, you know, you're looking a little pale. It's like, oh, that's just how everybody is. Well, you know somebody's looking pale because you know what they normally look like when they're healthy. Um, so what's the picture of health um, that Genesis 1 through 11 gives us? When we open first opened this book, we met God. It was like we were getting our introduction to him. You know, we talked about when you first meet somebody, like what are your initial impressions? Um, we're introduced to this one person who existed who, and created everything else that exists. And he created us in his image to represent his reign and his rule on earth. We were recreated to reflect what he's like to one another and the rest of creation. In the first two chapters of Genesis, we see this picture of how everything's supposed to be. We're created, um, God is our home, created a home for us to dwell in with us. We're meant to live in this loving relationship with him and with each other and with the rest of creation. That's how everything was supposed to be. And so think of that as our uh, introduction to God. Like uh, we're getting to know him. We're discovering what he's like. Is this person trustworthy? Um, is this person like somebody I want to be around, someone that I could, could love and you know, give my, my life to? And then even after Genesis 3, when sin disrupts everything, we still see what God is like as he's responding and reacting to human rebellion and selfishness and wickedness. Like, what kind of person is this? How does he respond when people mess up and when they, when they sin and they rebel against him? So we see his character on display. And to get a picture of health, we're going to use a series of four questions. Um, these four questions. Who's God? Are you guys able to see it over there? I want to make sure mm -hmm. I'll move it around. Okay. Oh, it's good? Mm -hmm. Okay. So who's God? What has he done? Who are we? Uh, and what do we do? 
Um, so we're going to go through those four questions. And could somebody just take a picture of what we wrote here quick before I erase it? So these four questions we're going to go through. Um, and then, so the who are we, it's a uh, who are we in light of what has God done? And then it's like, okay, now in light of who we are because of what God's done, what are we going to do now? And some of you, maybe you're familiar with these questions because you've come um, to some of our things we do as a gospel community, or maybe I've talked about them uh, at our worship gatherings, but these are kind of like the bread and butter um, of how we figure out, like, what should we be doing as a church? How should we be living? What should we be doing together as a community? Um, and so we're going to summarize. I'm going to go through who's God and what has he done. I'm going to fill those in, then you guys are going to help me with the last two, but uh, we're going to fill these two in um, with something uh, we call, uh, actually, I don't have any paper towel. Could somebody grab me a paper towel from the, the kitchen so I can erase this, please? Thanks, Caleb. Um, Oh, yeah, I have a whole pack oh, of napkins. We have a pack of napkins, Caleb. Caleb. Nice. Thanks for being mine. Thank you. But thank you for loving thank as a servant. Look at that. You're oh. really lovable. Yes, you're really lovable you're right now. Um, but we're going we're gonna to fill these two in um, using what uh, we call four Gs. I didn't make these up. Somebody else made them up. But they're kind of, there's a summary of, of what God is like, of what his character is like, using um, four words that all start with G. And so we're going to fill this in using those four. And we see all of them in Genesis. We see them all over the Bible. And you could, you could give other characteristics about God, um, but these are four that are a good summary um, and, and help us to understand what God is like. So the first one is God is great. So who is God? He is great. And God's greatness speaks to how he's big and powerful and he's in control. Because a great, someone who's great knows what they're doing. They can handle difficult situations. They can make plans. A great pilot of an airplane can handle the situation when the engine blows up. A great uh, person, a boat captain can handle uh, a huge storm that comes in. A great president can, can lead their nation through the threat of war. And over and over again... Um, we, in Genesis, we see that God is in complete control. He is great. He creates the earth, the stars, the moon, um, the sun, and he tells it all what to do. And then um, he creates us, and he tells us, this is what you're supposed to do. And then he creates animals and fish and birds, and he says, this is what you're all supposed to do. And he separates the dry land from the wet and from the water. And there's no other gods competing for control over the universe. It's just God. He's in control. And so what does God do because he's great? Well, we can write at least three things down. One is he controls, uh, he plans, God controls, God plans. Thirdly, he keeps his word. That could go with you know, a lot of characteristics, but um, God can always do what he says because he's in control. He's not competing with anybody else. So when he says, um, I'm going to save you. I'm going to create a new heavens and a new earth. He can really do it. It's not just like, hey, here's what I'm hoping I can do um, for you. And so, you know, you want to sign on and I'll see what I can do about it. Um, no, God can do it. Everything he promises, everything he says he will do, he can do. And so it kind of goes back to how we wrote down. Brian said competent. You know, God can promise things. and he's going to. It's not like, okay, I'm going to do my best to make this happen. It's like, no, God can do what he says um, that he will do. And so second... God is glorious. Who is God? He is glorious. And glory is a word we, we hear a lot. 
Um, and we might even say it, but maybe we don't totally know what it means. We maybe know what something, how something feels when it's glorious. We may kind of look at a, a huge mountain or something and be like, whoa, like that, you know, that was glorious. You know, it's kind of like this big thing that inspires awe. Um, and when the word for glory in the Bible is used in a non-religious way, like not to describe God, uh, it means heavy or weighty. And glorious things are majestic. They're beautiful. They're, they're magnificent. Um, they kind of give us this... Uh, Wow, like they inspire awe. Like, geez, that was huge. Maybe, you know, think about watching the fireworks. It's like they go up and they're, you know, these bright lights and like sounds and you, people go like, oh, you almost can't even control it sometimes. Maybe you do it as a joke sometimes, like, ooh, ah. But sometimes you're just like, oh, because you know, it kind of just blows you away. There's like this um, weight to it. And uh, glorious things, they inspire awe and they leave an impression. Like a bowling ball is heavy. Put it on some styrofoam. It's going to leave an impression So for God to be glorious means he has a weightiness to him. He isn't to be taken lightly. Um, He's important. In the Bible, um, God's presence, it's often made visible through lightning or fire or earthquakes. And these things make an impression on us. They're like, whoa, maybe even sometimes they they scare us a little bit, but they leave us in awe. They're they're glorious. They're weighty. And and God is glorious and impressive because he's created everything that exists. There's nothing you see um, that he didn't create. It's like anything in the universe that impresses us with his glory, it's like, um, there's someone who made that. That means he's more glorious than that. You know, the sun would just totally burn you up. And it's like, God made that. Uh, didn't burn him up. Um, he can go and touch it if he wants to. It's like, that. God is uh, glorious. Um, but not only this, um, he's created us to, in his image to be his representatives. And so um, this means uh, that we answer to him. And that means that his opinion of us um, and what we're doing should be the most important, should be the most weighty to us. It should carry the most weight in our lives. And our job is to represent his agenda, his values, his character. And so that means we should care what he thinks of us. We're his representatives. And so um, because he's creator, we we're made to be his representatives. He should be the most weighty in our lives. And when we think about everyone who sees what we do every day, we should care most about what God thinks about what we've done. So what does God do because he is glorious? Two things he does. He impresses. He's impressive. Uh, Someone who can create the sun um, or the Rocky Mountains um, is impressive. Uh, And then secondly, another I word, which makes me happy as a teacher, he inspires awe. Impresses and he inspires awe. And it's like you think about the people who impress you or inspire you. It's like, man, that's the person that I want to make happy. I want to please that person. That's how it works with God. Third, God is good. God's great. God's glorious. God is good. Um, God is a good creator who created a good world and filled it with good things. Um, God is good, and so what he creates is good. He's the originator of all things that are good. And every taste of good uh, food should remind us of God's goodness. Every beautiful landscape that we see should remind us of God's goodness. And when we, when we look up at the stars, when we marvel at the complexities of the human body, when we adore the face of a baby, it should remind us that God is good. This is a taste of his goodness. And everything good comes from him, and he always does um, what is good. Caleb said that uh, someone who makes good decisions is someone you'd want to trust. God always does what is good, so he's trustworthy. And so what does God do because he is good. And God, because he is good, he satisfies. There's lots of things we could say. You know, he does good, um, but he satisfies. 
So he is good. What does he do? Um, he satisfies. Because after like a good movie, um, somebody may ask us, well, how was it? And we say, well, it was good. After a good meal, we sit back and say, ah, oh, that was good. And we do that because there was this something in us that we were desiring. We, had, we were like thirsting or hungering or we're wanting to be entertained. And we went to that thing and it satisfied um, that desire. It was enjoyable. And we had a desire and that thing satisfied. And every good thing is only a taste of how much God satisfies it. Because all those good things in our world that were like, man, this stuff is so good. Like this was so enjoyable. This was so fun. This was, gave me so much pleasure. Um, it's only a taste of the one, the one who's even better who created all of it. Um, and so all those things are supposed to point to him. All the desires of our heart are satisfied by God. He's like this cold drink of water on a hot summer day. It's just like, oh, that just, you know, meets me right where I need it. And there's this God-sized ache uh, and longing in each of us that only God can satisfy. Um, secondly, because God is good, um, he, set, uh, he also in, instructs. Um, you know, he always does what's good, um, and he instructs because he wants what's best for us. God's good. He doesn't leave us hanging like, how do I live in this world? How do I please you? Well, he's good. And so he tells you, tells us, this is what's good. This is what I want you to be doing. He guides us. Fourth and lastly, God is gracious. God is great. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. Someone who's gracious gives you the opposite of what you deserve. Even after they sinned, God spoke with Adam and Eve, and then he covered their nakedness. Like, they don't really deserve God's guidance. They don't really deserve to be taken care of and guided. They said, God, we don't want you in our life. We want to do it our own way. But God still gives them the opposite of what they deserve. And even after he murdered his brother, God protected Cain. Um, We saw God's grace in the flood. Like, Noah and his family get saved, even though um, they're just as messed up as everyone else. Um, And a gracious person is someone, maybe almost a synonym, but not quite, um, but a gracious person is this. They're, they're generous, um, and they treat you kindly and with love, even if you haven't treated them that way. Um, because a gracious person is a generous giver of gifts. Look at all those Gs. Generous giver of gifts. Gracious. Um, everything we have is a gift given to us um, by God. The breath in our lungs, um, the world we live in, the clothes on our back, the shoes on our feet, the children in our families, um, the spouse at our side, and the food on our table are all a gift from God. And all this is, um, we talked about it before, it's common grace because it's given to everyone. It's common um, to everybody. It's a part of the covenant that God made with Noah after the flood. He said, even though humanity is sinful, I'm still going to let you live in this world and enjoy my good creation. Even though most of us don't even pay attention to God. Most people in this world don't even pay attention to God. But he still says, I'm going to let you enjoy all these gifts of my creation. Um, I'm just going to make it common to everybody. But then God also shows special grace um, to those who trust in Jesus. He removes our sin from us by paying for it himself. He forgives us. He renews us. He restores us. And God shows love to everyone, but he shows a special saving love to those um, who trust in Jesus. And he has a future planned um, for those of us who trust in Jesus because he's gracious. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it, and yet we have it anyway. So what does God do because he's gracious? Two things. He gives and he blesses. Because God's gracious, he gives and he blesses, even though we don't deserve it. God, by nature, is a giver and a blesser. He wants to give. He wants to bless. That's his desire. Um, The Bible clearly says that God does not 
take pleasure in the death of the wicked. His desire is to give us salvation. His desire is to bless us um, with the knowledge of him. It's a part of who he is, and he gives, even when we don't deserve, even people who don't give a rip about him, he still cares for. So if this is what's true, who God is, and what he's done, um, what does that mean about who we are? The, the, what's, we're trying to get an ideal picture of health. Like, what does it look like um, for someone? Um, what is somebody believing? What are they thinking? What's their mindset if they're going to be this plant? Um, and so it's like, well, we all, maybe we struggle to believe some of these things about God. Um, but imagine we just believed all of these things. Um, we just totally believe him. Like, God's great, glorious, good, and gracious. And that means all these things are things he does um, for me and to me, um, if we believed all these are true of us, uh, all these were true about God, what would be true about who we are? And so we'll fill this in, um, you know, complete this sentence, I am blank. That's how you discover who you are. You know, if God is great, we do I am blank. So if we believed all this was true, what would be true about us, about who we are? This is group participation moment. We can maybe start here. If we believe these things about God being great and what he's done, what would we say, well, I am blank then? You do want to say anything. Sure. Um, well, so maybe think back about what we wrote about trustworthy and lovable. So if you know God keeps his word, you can say, well, I am safe. Because um, I can know that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Like he said he's going to save me. He says he has a future for me. So I am um, safe. Maybe I didn't set up the connection very well. I mean, the fact that he controls means that we are safe too. driving your car you want that person to be in control and if it's like if God is the one who's in control of the universe you want that person to not be uh, or if you know he's the one who's making us promises it's like uh, like I can get you there safely and it's like can you because what if somebody shoots a bazooka at your car are you going to get us safe there and it's like well no I'm you know nobody can stop me um would one of these other ones be easier to start with? Or maybe, let me think if there's a better way to ask the question. Um, well, if he has plans, if plans are, we're secure. Secure? Yeah, so he has plans for us? Yes. He might, yeah, if somebody has a plan for you, like, we're going on vacation, what are we going to do? I don't know. But then you might be, you might have less stress or anxiety if you're like, no. Or we have you insurance. Or we have, uh, okay. Assured. Yeah, God being in control means we're assured that He can. Uh, That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Assured. I think we can. I think we can do this. Okay. 
Can I jump down to good? Sure. <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, because God is good and he satisfies, I am full. Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, in the ideal world, if we fully believe this, like fully trusted in God, yeah, full. best fries in town. It's like, if we have the best thing in the universe, it's like, woo, this should be really exciting. I think this could fit under either great or good um, because God controls um, and also commands and because he instructs, we are able. Just able to do Mm -hmm. what he asks us to do. How we do this? We'll put it under great. It's kind of like he overcomes the power of sin. Um, so now we're, we could say freed too, which is kind of interesting based on what Heather, you're pointing out, like, you know, okay, so now control, you know, like, are we controlled now? It's like, well, what God actually does with his power is he frees us now yeah. to love him. Which um, even can go under gracious that we're free, right? Because yeah, forgiven. Forgiveness, the other, the non-religious use of forgiveness in the Bible, it's used uh, when fishermen are like loosing out their nets, it's like setting something loose, kind of like releasing something. When you forgive somebody, you're releasing them. Um, mm-hmm. What'd you say? Um, I said free works there too, but we mm-hmm. could just do forgiven. The glorious, we are humble. Ooh, that's yeah. You're humbled before. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so small compared to this mountain. I'm so small compared to this. I actually thought it was small. And I was like, Tiny. Specs. Brian went to a really dark place. We just specks of dust in the universe flicked off. Dandruff. Wow, okay. Too much Star Wars died. Oh sorry. He went to Star Wars. I didn't go that direction. For gracious, but he gives a blessing. If he didn't see us fully, then like that wouldn't really be grace. Oh. Yeah, he knows. Which one are you doing? I'm trying to do seeing for Can gracious. I do known? No, I was going to say no. No. Because he, yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, like. Yeah, that's even more than seeing. Yeah, it's not like, hey, I'm giving you things because I think you're good. He's like, no, he gives us things even though he knows fully mm-hmm. how bad we are, and yet he still gives us Things that you're, you know, things that we're impressed with, or uh, by, you know, we like clap for them, or like we cheer for teams hmm. of talented people. Yeah. Like Rebecca today when Daddy picked up a watermelon. Yay, Papa! <laughs> like clap. Oh, Because nice. it, it was so heavy for her, Aww. and then like Daddy came and picked it up. Clap, dealers. Papa is glorious. He inspired off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like a. It's like something, like when you see yeah. things like that, you almost can't even control yourself. And it's like when we hear about God, we should be like, oh my gosh, you know, just like laying on the floor. Uh, on that note, as 
as uh, people made in his image, we have a measure of greatness, gloriousness, goodness, and graciousness. That's right. Uh, much smaller than God's, but... I was going to move us to here for image, because, the, yeah, that's the point. It's like, there's certain attributes of God that we share. There's certain ones we don't. We're not all-powerful. We're not all-knowing. We're not everywhere, all-present. Um, but there are ones that we do share. Uh, some of these... Well, actually, we share all these in some ways. Like, we're not in control of everything. And yeah, but yeah, we can make plans. We can keep our word. We can be faithful. Um, you know, we're not, like, as glorious as God, but we are made in His image. And so there, we're supposed to be, like, this mirror reflecting what God is like. You're supposed to be able to see God kind of in another person's face. Not that God has, like, this you know, physical, fleshy face. But when we move to here, yeah, I wanted to kind of emphasize, like, who are we? We'll do image of God. Um, creating his image. And that means we can do some of this stuff. So how we swatched over there now? So uh, if we believe this and then this was true of us, like how would we reflect God um, in what we do? Um, actually, I just looked at the time, so I actually have to skip over that. But let me just make a point. Because we're made in the image of God, um, we can plan things. We can keep our word and be faithful. Um, we can actually inspire other people. You know, there's like inspirational, motivational speakers. Um, so we can uh, not necessarily like we want them to be impressed with us, but we can reflect God and say, like, look how great this God is. And we can be inspiring and we can um, meet people's needs, satisfying and instructing people. Um, not in an ultimate sense, we don't satisfy people, but we can meet people's needs. We can bless um, and give. Um, we, can, we can view all the things that God um, has given to us. Um, and it's because we're made in his image that we can do these things. Um, so the good news, uh, you know, truth is, you know, we talk about good news, we're good news church, gospel's the good news, and the good news of the Bible is that we get God. Um, the good news of Christianity is like, this is the God we get, and all those things we put up there, trustworthy and lovable, that's what we get, um, that's what God gives us. We get this amazing God, the good news, we believe in Jesus, he offers himself um, to us. Um, and so that's like the heartbeat of our church, the good news church, the good news about who God is, um, and what he's done, um, and now what's true of us, um, and then we get to do um, these things to reflect his character. But even though this is true, even though we were made by God to find our greatest hope and joy and purpose um, in him, we, we struggle. Um, and so we'll go back to these four G's again. So if you don't have a bulletin, we kind of moved them this week to be grabbed. If you don't have a bulletin or a pen, go grab those. Um, we're just going to uh, do an exercise uh, as we close. I'm going back over the four G's again. And as we go through those, you know, you're going to have a chance to write things down. So the first thing to write down, write down God is great. I know it's up here, um, but I want you guys to be able to remember this. Uh, remember these, these attributes about God. So write down God is great. Writing things down helps us remember things. God is great. When we don't believe God is great, we're anxious, nervous, worried, and stressed. Because we don't believe God is in control, and so we need to be. But so often we don't feel like we're in control, and so we're stressed about it. Like, I can't control this. Um, we don't believe that he knows what he's doing, and so we're stressed about everything happening. And so what's an area of your life where you feel anxious and worried? Is it finances? your job, or how your kids behave, or an event that you're planning, 
Um, write that thing down, what, what comes to mind. Like, what's something you're stressed and anxious about or worried about? Maybe you can't come up with anything now, but maybe it'll be something to think about later. Maybe you have multiple things. And for me, I often, I know you're still writing, but um, I want to get us through this. I often feel worried and stressed about how the church is doing. And one time, I remember sharing, it was probably two years ago, I shared with Nick um, how I was feeling and all these things I was worried about. Um, and he just started like singing the song, um, he's got the whole world in his hands. And he kind of like changed the words to like fit my situation. Like, he's got the whole church, and, you know, and he's got the all of Mitch, you know, he's got all of Mitch's marriage, and it, you know, it's like all these things, so maybe you need to do that, like God is stronger, and he's bigger, and he's greater than anything you're facing, you need to pray, like God has got this in his hands, and second, write down God is glorious, God is glorious, when you don't believe God is glorious, uh, you're afraid of other people, we're afraid of what they think of us, whether they'll approve of our actions and what we're doing, and their opinion of us becomes more weighty um, than God's. And you maybe think about like, okay, you know, you maybe you've heard that phrase. A lot of people use like, oh, live for an audience of one, um, and that's kind of what this is about. And if you think about some movies where there'll be like a kid on stage, you know, eight, picture an eight-year-old on stage, they're in a play, and they're you know doing their thing, and they look out in the crowd, um, and they see like, okay, mom is there, and they look to the seat to the right. But dad, dad didn't make it again. And it's like, that's who the little girl, little boy, whoever it was, they really wanted that person to see their performance. They really wanted to see the look on their face and when they played their part in the, in, in the play. Um, and so when you think about that, like when you look at the audience of people watching your life, who's the person's face that you look to to see what they think um, about what you're doing um, and if they're approving of you? Is it your spouse, a parent, a teacher, um, your friends, um, your boss? Or maybe it's everybody. You're like, everybody's face is lit up, and I'm looking at what everyone's thinking, what I'm doing. So write that person down if they come to mind. Um, who's the face you're looking at? And those are the people you're living for. Those are the people you're afraid of, and you don't want to disappoint them. And the person's face that we're supposed to look at first is God's. We're supposed to be like, you know, everyone else is kind of blurred out or a little bit in the darkness. And it's like, we just look out and be like, okay, what's God thinking about what I'm doing? And it's like, you, of course you want to care what other people think, like your spouse and your kids want to be an example of them. It's like, you should care about their opinion, but it's like, whose do you care about first? Whose face do you look to first? It should be um, God. No, bless you. Because we want to make decisions based on what he thinks and not based on what other people are going to think and so it's like man if even everybody else is you know kind of grumpy and frowning at what I'm doing like if I have if he's smiling it's like okay I know that I'm doing the right thing third write down God is good God is good when we don't believe God is good we look for satisfaction elsewhere we have this ache this hunger and thirst and we'll look to money or sex or sports or video games or our phones or tvs or food or vacations or just getting more stuff or alcohol or whatever it is we're looking for pleasure and enjoyment and satisfaction and comfort in those and um so when when so when you need these things comfort or pleasure and enjoyment where do you turn when it's been a rough day at work or with the kids or with your spouse or at school um, and you're stressed where do you go to for relief and comfort and refreshment um, write that thing down
the good news is that God is better. He's better than all those things. They can give some pleasure, but um, if you want tr- full joy, full pleasure, and full satisfaction, um, look to the one who invented it. Fourth, write down, God is gracious. <clears throat> when we don't believe God is gracious, we try to prove ourselves to him. We try to prove we deserve his love and forgiveness. We try to prove we, we deserve his favor. And then we try to get blessings from him by doing good works. But no amount of effort could ever prove we're deserving. We deserve to be rejected and condemned and to be separated from him forever. And when we don't believe God is gracious, um, we picture him watching us with crossed arms, waiting for us to get our acts together. Um, so what do you do to try to prove yourself to God, to get him to you know, look at you with a smile? Um, is it the way you parent? Is it how responsible you are? How good of a student you are? Is it how much money you give or how much you serve others? Or how much you pray or read your Bible or how little you swear? Um, do you compare yourself to others uh, to prove, maybe you compare yourself to others to prove you're deserving of his love? Write down how you try to prove yourself to God. Like, God, this is why I deserve your love and your forgiveness. The good, the good news is that God's arms are open wider than our sin. Um, because we may feel like, man, my sin is big um, and it's bad. Um, but God, no matter what it is, he can, his arms are still open wider um, to embrace you, um, to welcome you. And when we try to prove ourselves, we're trying to pr- pay for our sin. We know something's wrong, we're trying to pay for it. Um, but the good news is that Jesus already paid for it. He's already made a way for us to come back to God. And we may think there's no way God can cover this sin. No way can God pay for this. But it's like God's arms are open wider to embrace you than you think. It's no matter how big or bad you think your sin is, God's arms are open wider still. And just take a moment and circle the one that you need the most. Do you need to believe God's great, God is glorious, God is good, or God is gracious the most? And maybe you're like, man, I need to believe all of them. That's perhaps the case. I often find that the case when I'm having an issue. But circle the one you need the most. Now I'm, oh no, put my chair on this. I made you all write those down, even though I was going to hand these out. But because I want you to be able to memorize them when you write things down, um, it helps us to memorize things. It's called kinetic learning. You're using your body. Boom. Learned that from my teacher wife. <laughs> right? Is that kinetic learning? Nailed it. Um, look, this is visual learning. Um, so these, each of these gives a little way of how we can turn away from the other things we trust in. You know, so if God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And so something you can do this week is memorize these. Put them up somewhere. Um, and maybe you're like, man, I can't memorize all of them. I can only memorize one. You know, pick the one. This is one I need the most right now. And so try to memorize all four of these this week. We're going to talk about them more next week. Um, and then tell somebody um, that you know, man, this is the one that I need help believing. Please pray for me in this. And this, that's just a good way you can um, repent. Um, and, you know, it's easy to, uh, you know, we talk, talk about God a lot. And it's easy um, and who he is because I, my goal is to, you know, it's almost like reminding us each week, like, Remember, this is what God's like. You know, isn't this amazing? This is the God we worship. And it's like, I don't want, when I think about like sharing our faith, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. That's the command we're given. And it's easy to tell people about someone we love. And so it's like, 
Every week we need to be reminded, this is who God is. This is who we get to introduce people to. And it's like, we don't have to coerce people. It's like, if I just introduce you, it's like introducing someone to this great friend. It's like, oh, I have this great friend, you know, back from college or whatever. When you meet him, you're going to just think they're amazing. And it's like, hey, you know, I know God. I'd love to tell you about him. And I think he's amazing. And I think you'll think he's amazing too. And you'll love him and want to trust him um, with your life. Um, and as we go uh, next week, we're going to cover... Um, we've covered this good tree, so it's all over here, look green, connected. Uh, this is the good picture, but then next week we're going to cover, like, what's, what are the, that's the truth about God, what are the lies about God we believe um, that create this deadness, and this wiltiness, um, and, uh, you know, shriveled upness, uh, that's another word I just made up, um, in, a, in our lives. Um, so we get this picture of who God is, the truth, next week we'll talk about the lies that create this situation. Um, Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you are all these things. All these things are true of you, and we can trust they're true of you. And everything we see of you in creation, we see your greatness and how everything works together. We see your goodness and in the beauty of creation. We see your gloriousness and how majestic so many things are and how big our universe is. And we see your grace in uh, how you continue to care for us for being here. And we know that all these are just a small pointer um, to how amazing you are. So would you help us to worship you um, for the rest of the service and with our lives. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.